0: Hey, this is Keith Price. Thanks so much for listening to this crazy, crazy podcast. It's a pleasure and a joy being a connection to you and so many of the fabulous things that are happening in the theater. Now, having said that, can you do me a favor? Now, this is a long list, so be ready for it, all right? You ready? Will you like Keith Price's Curtain Call on Facebook? Will you follow Keith Price Curtain Call on Instagram? Will you go to at KPCurtainCall on Twitter? Will you subscribe to Keith Price Curtain Call on YouTube page? Now, once you do all of that, go back and tell all of your friends, especially the ones that love theater, they've got to do the same thing. Now, if you're also loving the show, if you're on iTunes and Google Play Music, can you please leave a review as well? It seems that in this crazy world of podcasting, having great content is not enough. Clearly, <laughs> you also need that social media love too. So, if you're enjoying the podcast, show me a little social media love and thanks for listening. Ooh, you are listening to Keith Price's Curtain Call. Oh, man. So, you're a nice Jewish boy from Westchester. From Westchester. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. What temple? Oh my God. <laughs>
1: Community synagogue over high.
0: <laughs> Shout out. <hey. laughs> Shout out, Hank. <hey.
1: laughs> we
0: got a big holiday coming up. We got to get I our know. stuff together. Oh,
1: my God. I got to take off shows, you know. Oh, oh.
0: You know, I gotta go to. How the hard is that in a, in the middle of a Broadway run? It's like, like to do, to, like to like, go to shul. A, well, to do any of that stuff, like oh, to, you, how hard is it to be an observant Jew on it's, Broadway? You
1: know, it's fine. It's actually better because, like, as, well, at this point, it's good because we're in the run and I could take the shows off, right? So I could be pious. But, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I could actually go to shul and like. It's repent. about my religion, exactly. <laughs> But like, yeah. Normally, it's it could be tough. Like if I'm in rehearsals during the holidays, mm-hmm. oh, do I get those phone calls? Where it's like, oh, we just we just wanted you home, <gasps> and then it's like, oh, here it comes. Good here it Jewish comes. guilt. We just wish that you would just. If there was any way that you could get out of rehearsal. <gasps> <laughs> Uh, and then my heart just sinks and then I feel horrible so there are moments when I have been actually here in town and I couldn't do it or I was you know away and on a gig and couldn't get home but for the most part I try to make it work as much as I can wow yeah who knew that they're close? I mean, they're. I was just saying, my my parents are uh, celebrating their 65th anniversary today, wedding mm-hmm. anniversary today, and like knowing that they're you know 40 miles or 25 miles away, 40 minutes mm-hmm. is such a blessing in a in a Absolutely. world where like I mean, because I've had listen, if it seems all fine and good now, there were a couple years in there post Legally Blonde that where I was like going home and like I don't even know if the phone's gonna ring, wow. you know. And same, you oh, that know, means
0: you worked on Legally Blonde with my friend Orfe. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that that's another voice. Ooh. Forget Shh. about it. That woman. <sniffs> Ooh. Tell me about it. Shout out Orfe, girl, Ooh. where you at? That's another one I need to come behind up in here. There She's, you go. But I have to give it to them. They were her and Andy were the first two people to support me with this podcast. Oh, that's by, awesome. So I always have a special place for yeah. Orfeh. Anyway, yeah. So you know, wow. like that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I feel like in this just in this time that we we're just scratching at all kinds of things that we can talk about. So, like, with your family being so involved in in the world of theater and Mm -hmm. in the business of theater, Mm -hmm. has that affected the way that you move through theater? Because, like, you have the advantage of having somebody that has a business acumen of sorts when it comes to all of this. This is very true. In front of you. Do you access them, and do you actually take the advice that they give you? Or do you seek out advice when it comes to the business aspect?
1: Yeah, I think one of the the cool parts is that... um, I tend to be now different from about 10 or 15 years ago. 10 or 15 years ago, I was definitely like the Kool-Aid drinker where mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, yeah, we're going to make it a thing and, mm-hmm. and we're going to do it and we're going to really run fun. for 15 years. I'm yeah. like, yes, I'm going to make it. And then you kind of like, because yeah. I have yet to have a hit on Broadway. I've had success in Legally Blonde oh. in terms of like, you know, it, it's been running and the Lord willing, it will continue to run out there in the world. And it's one of those world.
0: shows that I understand is like constantly, constantly done. being done.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Constantly and, being And done. so like having that as kind of mailbox money for me mm-hmm. is the blessing that I never expected to have come. And I right. and I am so thankful for Larry and Nell and Alex Lackamore too, because yeah. Alex went to In the Heights- uh to give up legally blonde. He called me and he was like, Can you take over blonde? Because I gotta do this thing with Lynn. Yeah. And I was like, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, no, because I had heard yeah. it by then. And I was like, You gotta go, you gotta do that, you know. So um, so that's the blessing that that's the gift that keeps on giving. But but from that time, um, it was tricky because it didn't make a lot of money on Broadway. In fact, we closed in a in a deficit. And so I made the money on the and tour. And that was even after the big MTV yeah, 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 yeah. So we did not make a lot of money. <laughs> well, you <don't> gave <laughs> it away on MTV. Well, I guess. But anyway, uh, but we made it back on the tour. And now, you know, I get a little bit of money every, you know, couple mm-hmm. of months from MTI because I was the arranger on the thing with Alex and Larry. Mm-hmm. And so we have a split of that. And that's the only thing in my repertoire that's made me any kind of money down the line in terms of things that I've been working on. Wow. So I've never, you know, I don't have like the big mega hit in my arsenal. Right, And I'm okay with that. Like, you know, I'm very cool with that because what it allows me to do is it allows me to go from project to project. And yes, I got very disappointed after Honeymoon and I got mm-hmm. very disappointed after Blonde and I got very disappointed after Wedding Singer. But the truth of the matter is, is that if those things hadn't closed, then other doors that have been open to me um, wouldn't have opened, and I wouldn't have had those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having those opportunities come in the place of big hits, I really look back and go, yeah, this is all, we're we're totally cool.
0: Yeah, we're totally cool. Because that's a very hard thing to do, to get your ego in check Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, Absolutely. I mean, you know, because, you, again, you picked up Legally Blonde, but that was when Lackamore left to go do In the Heights, which mm-hmm. became... In the, In the heights. heights. Right, exactly. And then left that and then of course did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you yeah. know. And I mean, and that is, you know, that is part of the story. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's how it works. That's how it rolls. Absolutely. But the fact that you can sit here and say that you're you are happy with those choices. Now. Mm, now. now. Yeah, now. Okay. Happy with a lot of those choices because it, it goes back to that whole thing about as miserable as people's childhoods are and as miserable as certain parts of their adolescence or whatever, is that every one of those experiences brings you to the point where you're sitting right now, where you're sitting. Correct. And so you have to find either gratitude or forgiveness. (laughs) Right. Or both. Or both. Yeah. How fantastic is that?
1: I mean, the gratitude that I have, first of all, if I hadn't done Being Alive, okay, I wouldn't have met Leslie Odom Jr., Patina Miller, Rima Webb, Brian Terrell Clark, Chuck Cooper, um, Jesse Warren Nager or Jesse Nager Warren. Oops, Mm -hmm. sorry, Jesse. And, uh, uh, Billy's best friend, Vanita Harbor. Um, I wouldn't have worked with Michael McElroy. I wouldn't have been in the same room as Stephen Sondheim and him literally sitting next to me in a sits probe where for the first time ever, an hour and a half of his music was coming back to him with a five piece R and B band in a Hammond organ. (laughs) And he would like lean over and be like, did I write that chord? I'm like, yeah, you did. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, he just had to check in because he had never heard all his stuff that we were doing in this particular way. Okay, wait. All right, so. Yeah.
0: You're sitting next to Stephen Sondheim on I the organ.
1: I, well, no, no, no. I'm sitting next to Stephen Sondheim in the theater. Oh, the theater. St- in the theater. <gasps> listening oh. to the Sitz Probe on, or the von oh, Probe yes. on stage. Yeah.
0: And how. First of all, dead. Okay, I was just going to say. Yeah, yeah. Did, did it come to you like. Oh, very certain. Like, you walk in and they're like, oh, so Stephen Sondheim's going to be sitting next to you doing the. He yeah. Knew. No. Oh, excuse me. What? No. No. <laughs> First of all,
1: I'm not a composer, right? Which is what I was going to ask you right. about. I'm as not. Well. A comp- I'm not a composer. So the fact that he's even that he even knew my name was very odd, mm-hmm. and it still is odd. Like, I, I don't really understand how this all happened. Mm-hmm. I really don't. But the truth of the matter is, is that had I not brought this kind of like this this reverence to what he does, right? I couldn't have then deconstructed it because there was a moment in time where Billy presented me with the idea of being alive Mm -hmm. and taking Sondheim's material and going... Yeah, we're gonna do all this R and B, and I was like, no, I <laughs> literally was like, absolutely not, because as a Touch musician, <laughs> like as a musician, especially one that had parents that invested in the originals mm-hmm. and a close family, you know, that like yeah. listened to Little Night Music like on the daily, <laughs> we, I was like, you want me to Which do? Which doesn't one? happen very often. No. let's please be honest. He, was, he said to me one day, he was like, so I want to do this, like, um, this uh, uh, send in the clowns where the, we don't do the words, and I was like, no. And he was like, no, that's what we're going to do. And I was like, no. No, And I was like, why? And he's like, because it's the most recognizable melody in the history of his his writing. And this is our way to kind of, it doesn't need words. Because it's just all going to be about the emotion of the moment. And literally I had to stop myself from saying no and say, okay, yeah. I mean, Billy will tell you and, that I had like trust, a nose And trust the vision. And trust the vision. That's,
0: yeah. That probably might have been the hardest thing for you to It do. was
1: very hard. But then I came up with some ideas for him where he was like, I never thought about that. I never thought about that or fixing this groove or whatever. But, you know, each one of these things that we treated, we treated with the respect of the original and then kind of took a spin on it. Mm-hmm. So that Sondheim didn't feel like we were taking it completely off the beaten path. And trashing it, but really kind of taking what was there originally and putting a spin in it, you know, having a guy saying, losing, losing my mind, writing a letter home to his wife from a war zone was part of the conceit, wow. you know, or the same woman who then gets the flag, mm-hmm. uh, when he dies, you know, singing, losing my mind on the other side the of, other you know what I mean? So it. it's like. All of that stuff was very kind of like emotional for him. Uh It was emotional for us because there we are sitting with the man. I mean, Billy, I remember this too. This is so stupid, but it's so like, this is how geeky I was. Um, Billy called me, or maybe he texted me, I don't even know, and said, we've been summoned to the house or to the (laughs) apartment. And I was like, we've been what now? And he's like, we've been summoned. (laughs) Steve's got notes. And I have in my possession, (laughs) I have in my possession a 55 minute, don't you think I did not take that tape recorder with the cassette to the house Casa de Sondheim? and I press record. record and just Girl, just... let me tell you. All right. It's like 55 minutes of Steve and Billy and I talking about stuff and him dissecting and what worked in the reading of it. This is from mm-hmm. Vassar. What worked, what didn't work, why it didn't work, what he liked, what he'd like more of, what he'd like a little less of. Mm-hmm. And we listen to it now, and even now, Billy and I are like, how did that even... How did that... What? Like, really? That... Like, he was giving us notes on the thing that we did? <laughs> Really? Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, you know. And what are I you mean, gonna do? What
0: are you gonna say? You we better were, take
1: him. All I can tell you is the walk over that Billy and I—we walked over there from wherever we were coming from, and the walk over to his apartment. We were—I li- was—I was shitting a shitting a break. Yeah. I literally was like, I don't even know what
0: I'm gonna say. Because yeah. uh, you know, it's him, right? You know, it's so funny. So you you still get you have moments where you're, you meet some of these people, like Stevenson, Yeah, Yeah. Right now, currently, James Sampliner, as we were talking about earlier, because it seem we've we kind of got a little bit away from it. But yeah, that's yeah. all right, because it's okay. all about us having a good time and Absolutely. a good conversation. Because, aren't you loving him? <laughs> um, you work with Harold Prince. Mm-hmm. You work. Stephen Sondheim has worked with you, correcting mm-hmm. your work, ch- checking in with you, correct. And of course, you know, next to JRB Jason Robert Brown, mm-hmm. who's yeah. just, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Like, again, when I heard the score for Honeymoon in Vegas, yeah. and they were like, this is... Just, and I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> this don't sound like last five years. Right. This show don't sound like Parade. Right. What is this? Yeah. This is delicious. And then they're like, oh, but then James was like helping with the arrangements. And I was like, yeah. oh! <laughs> oh! <laughs> and then, of course, it wasn't until Rob McClure did his one-person show that yeah. I that I got, like, the sense of who right, you were. right? And I was just like, this this is like one little groovy-ass white boy. No. We got another one rolling <laughs> around <laughs> here. I love when that no, happens. Thanks. I love when that happens. Yeah. And what's so great is, when you do you still have like a moment of, I got to pinch myself sometimes? Oh, God, yeah.
1: Oh, my God, the other night, and I, I'm sorry I keep doing this, but this is the, this do is the show that this is where this is going to happen. This is where happen. it's okay, yeah. No, but, but I mean, Prince of is the yes. show where what I'm about to tell you is the show that this is only going to happen there. Uh-huh. So I was having a couple, let's say, uh, after um, after work beverages mm-hmm. in the basement of our uh, theater with mm-hmm. the, with my orchestra. Which, P.S., my orchestra over at Prince Broadway, y'all are fierce. Fred Lassen mm-hmm. is a genius conductor. Wow! I can't even believe I have to like even like sub for him. It's like so, he's so good. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we're having some adult beverages after mm-hmm. the uh, show in the basement, and our associate choreographer comes down stairs. James Gray, and he goes uh james fred what are you doing i was like um we're having drinks with the band mm-hmm. he's like john Candor's upstairs he's asking for you guys and i was like <laughs> hurry up hide everything <laughs> hide <laughs> <it!"> <laughs> so i go upstairs god. i had no idea he was at the show that night you know wow and i go upstairs and Candor gives me a huge hug and he's like god you guys sound so so great and he just wanted to congratulate us and and tell us about how great he thought the band sounded mm-hmm. and the the textures that all the orchestrators got, mm-hmm. especially his stuff, which is yeah. really it's well you know sold yes. in the show. And so you know he just wanted to kind of like say thanks, you know. And I I couldn't speak. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, it's John Cander. Like, I mean, <laughs> hi, you wrote everything. Hey,
0: how you doing? Nice. Basically,
1: to yeah. You. Yeah. yeah. How you doing? <laughs> like, it's like all that. It's that moment of like. Or like when Sheldon Harnick was at the runs before we went to Japan, or Charlie mm-hmm. Strauss, or like, you know, it's like these people, and I know I know, it seems like dropping names, but this is the Hal Prince show, mm-hmm. where literally like Joel Grey was at, not only was he at opening night, but he'd come like a couple days before, mm-hmm. just to kind of hang, hang out. Hang out. That's the you know, Joel And you're like, that's when you're pinching yourself, yeah. and you're going, like, I know it's cliche now to say The Room Where It Happens because of Lynn and Hamilton, but like, truly the whole idea of being able to be anywhere near these people mm-hmm. if you had told me that 15 years ago yeah not even 20 or 25 15 years ago if you told me that this was going to be this no way yeah. no way because i'm not i'm not trained in the musical theater arts you know mm-hmm. i'm a musician and i and i like to be a musician someone who's flexible in various forms of music classical jazz pop rock you know all of it gospel everything right even some country every now and again. Yeah. Um, I don't want any letters, no letters. Um,
0: but we point... had bluegrass on Broadway last season. <laughs> See, so that's stop. what I'm saying, right? Yes. Exactly. Uh, uh,
1: so the point is, is that I consider myself a musician first and a theater lover second. So, like, the theater for me is an extension of the musical abilities that I kind of have honed over the years, and it allows me to kind of dig a little deeper in terms of an emotional connection. But primarily, I think of myself as a musician first. So to have people at those things, it is a pinch myself every single time somebody wow. comes because I, I don't know that I feel like I belong in this room, but because I'm in this room, I feel like
0: I belong. Does that make, does that make sense? Can I just tell you right now that I, I feel like you and I have that energy in, 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 and yeah. in the same respect. I mm. mean, I, I am not a musician. I'm a comedian and I'm an actor and I'm, right. you know, and I interview people that I love. Um, And I have those same moments whenever there's someone like you sitting across from me. Like, Mm. you know, I talk about, you know, my most recent interview that I did with Sheldon Harnick Mm. and his wife Marjorie at their house. How lovely are they? Oh, Like the best. Go back and listen to that interview, bitches. Or the clips. Whatever (laughs) makes you happy. I don't know if you have the time. But. But I, I, it's like almost every opportunity for me, right. I always, you know, you are you grew up in Westchester. Yeah. So this this is basically like your backyard. New it York, is York City is your backyard. Completely. I was born in Brooklyn, but we moved to Texas when I was a kid. Mm. And so, you know, that sense of longing that I remember having about wanting to come back to New York and mm. be a part of the scene, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure how I was going to fit in. And then I moved here, and then all these different things happened when I got here, and right. I was on the radio, and I did these. And there has not been any more thrills in my life that, uh, like, almost every experience that I have when I get to do stuff with this podcast primarily now because it's just me is almost a pinch-yourself moment. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's almost a pinch-yourself moment. That's the best. And and the best part for me is because I get to enjoy everything about yeah. the theater. Like, I mean, your focus is music, but you and you have to kind of stay in that because that's your job. Yeah, yeah, But, like, you know, you worked with William Ivy Long, mm-hmm. six-time Tony Award winning mm-hmm. costume designer. And it ain't the first time. And it's not the first time. Nope. You know, you have Harold Prince basically yeah. as your boss. Yep, like that's f- huge. Yeah, he you know, ma- he makes fun of the fact that I wear cargo shorts to
1: the theater. <laughs> He's only seen me in cargo shorts. Yeah, and then I showed up an opening night in a suit, <laughs> and he was very confused. He was like, "I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know. Who I, this don't, is. I don't know who this Who's is." This? <laughs> he was really funny. Who is this man? James? Eighty-nine, right? Eighty-nine year old Hal Prince, like making fun of my cargo
0: shorts. Okay, but, God bless him. But Do you know what, what mean? story <laughs> is that? You know. Can you right. imagine? It's dumb. It's it's the craziest it's thing. It's like to have Sheldon Harnick tell me I asked a great question. I right. almost I almost peed on this couch and that right. would not have been good. Right. That terrible choice. Bad thing. choice, but Bad it life been so choice. wild. So I I mean I I I I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Because in your mind, you're just doing you. You're just being. Yeah, you. it's
1: like my thing with Jason. You know, it's funny because we were we're two completely different uh, personalities. You know, but at the same time, pianistically, we're very very close. Like it's it's like um, you know those Venn diagrams. You know, where circles intersect. Well, I'm like the jazz rock thing. He's like the rock blues thing. You know. Yeah. And so because and we that... intersect in the middle, right. but we have such a love for like the most obscure music. And like we'll talk, we'll have these really heady discussions sometimes about like you know Charles Ives or mm-hmm. or like really heady stuff, and you think, well, what, that does that's not in a But if you think about Jason's music and the influences that come in, right, it's not just one thing. So your thing about honeymoon, when you said to yourself, "Wait, I don't understand," that actually is probably the closest to like Jason Robert Brown, the person. That that score his humor in that, you know, mm-hmm. is is it's I, amazing. I, it's so extraordinary. That opening number alone is the most extraordinary lyric, you know. All right, okay, 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 yes. okay, okay. Yeah. So oh, here's, here's, yes. here's the
0: question I have for you now. Yes. I'm thinking about it. Okay. All right. So <laughs> one of the stories that Rob always tells, Rob McClure always mm. talks about, is that moment when he like comes up from the stage? Yeah, the umbrella da, yeah, da, yeah. and he opens up the umbrella right. and there's Stephen Sondheim on yes. the on the ding. Yep. So Stephen Sondheim really came to hang out with you.
1: No, 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 no. Oh, good God, no. No, that is a falsity.
0: Illegal, illegal.
1: Sure, sure. That's not true. Jason Robert came, came, Brown. No, he know, actually came. You know, he's he's known Jason way longer than he's known yeah. me. So he actually came to CG. He's such a huge fan of Jason's. And to be honest, and a huge from, fan of theater, and a huge fan of theater. But like, evidently, some friends of mine who I guess I guess the swings were out in the audience because mm-hmm. they knew that he was there, mm-hmm. and they were watching him like really. So every time there was like a just like Jay Z and Beyonce, I will make her my fiance. His little hands clapped.
0: <laughs> he like, was just so happy. Like rhymes. he was
1: just so happy about the rhymes. Yeah. Yes. And all of the stuff that was happening. Like every time every a good one came, moment. you know, <sighs> like the, the, the uh, saddlebags, like he was like, yes. He was like, oh my God, it's so good. So he would clap his hands like every time. So the truth of the matter is, is that evidently Rob told me later on that like um, uh, Sondheim will get in the car to go up to his place in, in the mm-hmm. country and turn on I Love Betsy because he still feels like it's the greatest opening number in the last 40 years. I will he was not like, argue with you. <laughs> He's like, so, you know, but the thing is, is that for me, the the collaborations that I have with Jason are great now because I understand the kind of level at which uh, uh, he operates, which then allows me to kind of up my game a little bit. And I also love interpreting his stuff which makes him crazy mm-hmm. because, like, there'll be stuff on the page and I'll do it for a while and then I'll like mess it up. Mm-hmm. He's like, No, 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 go back. And I'm like, No, I don't really want to do that. And then we'll like have an argument and then we're done. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And then, like, so a lot of the honeymoon score. So what happened was the honeymoon score developed over the course of the run. Mm-hmm. And then I was unavailable to do the gig after the Tony's that he was doing at Subculture. So he had to play it. And he was like, um, So you sure you can't make it? I'm like, What do you mean? He's like, I just don't want to play your book. And I was like, "That's the best thing I've ever heard." Wow! That's the best thing I've ever heard. Is that he said, "I don't want to play your book," and that made me feel like wow, so great. So we've been we've been really kind of having a great time the last couple of years, and and it's such a great he's such a great person to have in my corner, and vice versa. I love being in his side, mm-hmm. and kind of supporting what he's trying to do. And um, I really believe in the in the work that he makes. Um, you know, I was really sad, obviously, about Bridges. Mm-hmm. I was super sad about Honeymoon. <sighs> Um, someday he'll get his due, oh,
0: and I mean, it'll be—you got a couple of Tonys. Uh, know, but I know. mean, like, but, but like that full, that full on that since parade and and, and the thirteen. You yeah. Know? Someday it'll it, where the gross
1: majority of people will start to really understand the genius that's there, and yeah. and um, I, you know it's it's just a pr- a privilege to be able to to work with him and and the team that he has. You know. Whether it's uh, you know his drummer Jamie Eblen, who's on Prince of Broadway with me, or Randy Landau, who's on the gig I've worked with Gary Seeger, his guitarist for twenty years, forever, and so those people in his camp and I have done a lot of music making together, and that's been a real,
0: real special relationship that's Gosh. developed over the last four years, five years. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. Well, I have got to let this man go because you know what he does have calls soon. <laughs> I got to go to my theater. He's got to get to the theater. Yes. R- you can I got to tickle those keys. Got tickle them keys and, and <laughs> keep that band under control. How yeah, are you man. doing? Oh. With the amazing amazing show, the Prince of our Bro- Prince of Broadway happening at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater here in New York City under the auspices of the Manhattan Theater Club. Mm-hmm. And again, I cannot recommend the show itself to you if you are a theater lover because you already know it's fierce. If you are somebody who's thinking about loving some theater and not really sure where you should start, this is the perfect show. It's like I hate to call it Musicals 101, but it is like absolutely the best survey course ever. I said this to you before Mm. that it's like the best survey course for anybody that has any general interest in theater Or if you are a tourist coming and you want to get your Broadway experience but you don't want to commit to a full show in terms of like a character ride and jerk, this show is going to give you absolutely everything. And you're getting not only like some of the best pieces on Broadway, you're getting some of the best talent on Broadway. And that is from the – this is one of those shows that from the very, very, very top all the way down to the very bottom, everybody is bringing 160,000 percent. And it shows in every performance. I've been lucky to see it twice. And I'm going to try to get one more time in before it's done. Because three is always a charm for me. <laughs> and, you know, do it. Come to New York City. Come see Prince of Broadway. Yeah. Get you um, <clears throat> the soul of Richard Rodgers. Yes, please. Don't be mad at the honeymoon in Vegas. Because that shit is cute. Thank that you. is a very, very cute score. She's cute. that's sh- that sure. She's is cute. cute. Yeah, for she sure. is very, very cute. And <laughs> at the same time, you are you know, you get to spend some time with James Simplino. Like there you I go. Did. There you go. So, James, thank you so much. Thank this you, Keith. This awesome. This pleasure. so awesome. Let's do it moment. again. We're going to do it every time. Which, what, what you got coming up after this? That's what I need to ask you before oh, we go. Okay, well,
1: um, let's see. I have some irons in the fire. Mm-hmm. Billy mm-hmm. and I are working on a couple projects, none of which I could talk about. I know. <laughs> But let's put it this way, they are long form, mm-hmm. and uh, we're definitely looking for uh, a break in, you know, once he kind of gets into the, the routine of Kinky again.
0: Right, because he's going cause back, he's into going back boots, in. Right.
1: next month, month after? Yeah, the right. end of this month. End
0: of this month? <gasps> yeah, end of September. Well, end of well, September. September,
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, it'll be this month by the time they hear. Exactly. It. <laughs> so at the end of this month, he goes back in kinky. He and Stark. so when right. So when he goes back in, we'll have time to kind of get together during the days and 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 start to write our, our next project or two.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and then I'm working with Titus Burgess. I don't know if you know. this I
0: love to meet some Titus Burgess. Y'all yeah. are
1: doing his um, the Preacher's Wife. Right? I am. I'm music supervising and orchestrating the Preacher's Wife. Uh, that he's writing. Which, that he is writing the music and lyrics. And let me tell you something, y'all ain't ready. All right. Because if you think it's going to be a gospel hootenanny for two and a half hours, boy, do you have something else coming. It's mm. You're not even ready. For but please tell me there is a gospel
0: number. There is a few. Oh, okay. All right. You know. But
1: it's not, it's not <clears throat> gospel focused. Mm-hmm. It's musical theater focused, and Good. if you think you're ready, you have no idea what he's capable of. Because
0: it's all about the I Want
1: song right now, honey. Right, And the I Want I want, want song. an
0: 11, honey, the 11 o'clock number.
1: <laughs> the 11 he just wrote, and it's fierce. The I Want we've had for a little bit, and mm-hmm. that is ridiculous. Um, uh, so we're doing another reading of that in December. Okay. And looking for big, big backers. But I think we're going to get them. And we're going to kind of move forward with that. Uh, but Titus and I are also working on a documentary that he's working on. Mm-hmm. And hopefully a record to come down the thing that I'll be producing. Um, I'm producing the new Broadway Boys record with Jesse Nager. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's very exciting. So we're, we've just done one single. Now we got to work on the rest of it. Right. And then I've got uh, Pal Joey that I did a year ago. Uh, that Richie Lagravinese, who uh, wrote the original screenplay of the movie of Bridges of Madison County and is a fabulous director of film in his own right, I mean, a a genius, really. And he wrote The Fisher King, too. Uh, Oh. Yeah, so, I mean, he's just a mega-talent. He's rewritten the book with the permission of the uh, Rogers estate to rewrite the book of Pal Joey, and I've rewritten uh, the score in a jazz quintet circa 1950. Four fifty-five with like a Grappelli, like Stefan Grappelli violin as the lead, because t- they reference Ted, the violinist, constantly mm-hmm. in the play. This is, we're going to have like a Grappelli type of uh, jazz violinist from that period. And um, so I've rearranged and threw out a good portion of the score to rewrite the book. And the focus of it is African-American, South Side Chicago, 1950s, of Pal Joey. So get ready. You... There's a lot
0: on the plate. You first, first of all need to get your ass out of this <laughs> studio right now, and you better fucking <laughs> hurry up and get that shit done because I want to know who's going to do zip. <laughs> well, that's the thing.
1: We actually, we actually, I think are going to cut zip. <gasps> I know, I know. But okay, now I
0: really get out of my studio. <laughs> but here's
1: what here's what I'm going to tell you. I'll tell you why. The quick story is is that we looked at the lyrics and they're yeah, so dated because it's 2017. It only was a novelty number in 19-whatever, so like doing it now, everyone's like, yay, I want to hear Zip, and then they Mm -hmm. hear it, Mm -hmm. and everybody looks at each other and goes- Who's Soroyan? (laughs) Yeah. Why do I like this number again? It's not the world's greatest number. You know what it is? You
0: know why we like it? Yeah. Because Elaine Stritch made it
1: hers, and that's the only reason why.
0: Because in the end, who would have thought about that song beforehand?
1: I'm going to tell you this, uh, uh, pro tip, uh, Elaine Stritch is not in this version. (laughs) So y'all, don't, oh, so y'all don't have to worry <laughs> oh. about that. Oh, we lost we, lost, we lost, everything.
0: lost everything. Oh. Oh, there we go. There we go. No, a lane stretch not oh, in this. Oh wow, direction. I wonder if that affected out there too. I oh, don't
1: well. know. We'll find out. That probably so, ruined no. my joke. Oh well. Do it again, because I can always. No, because you in. can't go back. That's see? it. See, you see,
0: this is what happens in the world of theater. You miss, you miss, you miss, you miss. Anyway, that's wow. what's going
1: on with me. So I'm a little busy right now, but that's exactly the way I want it. And there will also be other opportunities coming down the pike. I'm sure that that mm-hmm. that I haven't even thought about yet. You know, yeah. and relationships that are that will be born out of these other things and mm-hmm. this violinist that we used in the first reading of Pal Joey is this beautiful jazz violinist named named Scott Tixier, a Frenchman who has a twin uh, pianist brother uh, 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 who is fantastic and he and I talk all the time about collaborating on stuff mm-hmm. and he's a wunderkind on the on the violin so you know you never know is the point wow. and, and all the opportunities I guess that was the whole point of this diatribe is that like the things that I'm doing on the side came out of my love of theater but they're not necessarily all theater related right? and that's kind of the best part of all of this I come back to the theater when I love it and I love a piece that speaks to me and I want to lend my uh, skills to it I come roaring back or if it's a collaboration that I love like with you know with Jason or with whoever right. I come roaring back to the theater but if it's not then I have this other stuff that I'm really interested in and pursuing and finding another way to use my musical gifts, if you want to call it that, I guess, um, to uh, explore the other side of who I am as an artist. And that's, you know, the best part of this act, too, for me.
0: Fabulous. Yeah, man. All right. Well, there you go, honey. James Sampleener. Look him up. Find him. Google him. Get get the music that he's worked on. Get that Legally Blonde CD, because, <laughs> I mean, you know, bitch can use a little extra change. How are you living? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's <laughs> So crazy, no doubt. But it's the truth. And again, this is what I say to you guys all the time. Like there are many, 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 many people that work to bring the theatrical experience to you. And here's somebody that is doing it in a way that you didn't even think about until just this moment, probably. So thank you, James. Thank you, Keith. And again, we will be back. <laughs> With my name.
1: I leave my stylus.
0: Oh, crap. Look for Keith Price's Curtain Call on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, and now MixCloud.